Stand on the bar, stomp your feet, start clapping. Got a real good feeling, something bad about to happen. Helmets and Heels, brought to you by Underwood Jewelers on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Here's Donna Murphy, Lauren Brooks, and Blythe Brumley. Oh, something bad. Well, ladies, we are back in studio. I'm kind of missing the smells and sounds and sights of the ballpark. But hopefully we will make it out to a Suns game in the near future because that actually, the Suns kick off uh, the regular season this Thursday night at home. And I think they have like 14 games at home this month or 15 games They're there this until month. the 29th. Right. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think I'll head out there on Thursday. But uh, the first night, too, they give a replica rings, championship rings is their giveaway. Which is fantastic because they were the Southern League champions last year. Two years ago. I was there when they won that championship. That was a lot of fun. I like to be out and about. Have, have we figured that out? No. Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm always trying to figure out where our show can go and where we can be live from. We talked about potentially doing the show live from One Spark this week, but unfortunately it was right during the opening ceremonies. So they maybe next year. They have a more year. important things, I guess, going on than entertaining maybe. us. Maybe. But, but great event. Yeah, absolutely. Make it, this make month has fantastic. I I almost blanked on what we were talking about because there's so much that we've talked about to talk about. Let's get started last with last night's NCAA championship game. Donna, I know you're not a college basketball fan in general, or it's not your passion, I would say, but how much of the game did you watch? Uh, we tuned in. That was what was on when we got into bed. Okay. Honestly. So, casu- yeah, I casually saw, watch it, it a little bit. They went bit. right to halftime. So. <laughs> so you saw the scintillating <laughs> thrilling 31-31 half. Yes. I think that's what that happened. I saw the entire, or most of the game. Uh, I was traveling for a little bit of it, and I got to the airport, and the radio feed cut out right when I got into the parking garage. It was like a few minutes left in the game, and I'm sitting there almost screaming. And so I rush <laughs> inside to the airport, and I find the one sports bar still open with a TV on. Nice. And there's a whole bunch of people crowded around watching the, fa- the, the final two minutes of the game. And just Grayson Allen really stood out to me. He's a local Jacksonville guy. How exciting was that? I think he had the, uh, the, the most points off the bench in NCAA championship game history which is crazy his move that at one point in the second half when he did like the layup mid-air it, oh my gosh so athletic it was unbelievable and it was really fun to see too people around the country tweeting his name who probably had either never heard it or had kind of skimmed over it in the past so that was a lot of fun and then yesterday was opening day for baseball now i know sunday night we as we mentioned the cubs got things started but Opening day for you, Donna, for you, Blythe. Do you tune into games other than the Red Sox? No. No. Okay. I don't. Not, Not really. I watched a little bit of the Cubs on uh, on Sunday night mm-hmm. just to see, you know, the, the new additions for Lester and, and Matt and the new uh, coach for the Cubs. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm watching the Red Sox. Yeah. Because baseball season is long enough as it is. Yeah, I love <laughs> opening day. But outside of the Red Sox, I'm, I'm probably not going to. Unless it's a rivalry game, I'll watch it. And have either of you ever been to an opening day game? I haven't. My mom used to go every year. My aunt has season tickets for the Sox. So every year she would fly up and, and those two would go and attend it. She's not doing love it this it. year, so I feel bad. But, yep. So I used to get the tales of that all the time. But I've never, I've, done it. I've never done an opening day game. I've never done a spring training game. I've done plenty of baseball games, regular season, yeah. but never opening day. Next year. I know. There's always next year. And that's what I feel like I'm always saying about certain sporting events, like the Masters. Yes. I say every year, you know what, just so one you day, just go one to practice that. I round. do. Oh, absolutely. Really? Yes. I'm a huge fan of gorgeous landscapes. 
Um, probably partially why I work for a landscape design company now. But if you take TPC any time of year, I just I think that is one of the most beautiful places, not just in town, but in Florida, in the southeast, probably even in America. And Agreed. the masters, same thing. The azaleas are blooming. They've got the oak trees. And, and you've also got that almost quiet stigma. It's like it's as if you could bottle up excitement, but make it really hush hush. That's kind of to me how the masters must feel like that, that ground is revered, you know, aim in corner and, and all of the just people that have legacies of the tickets passed down and, and how difficult it is to get the tickets. I, yes. is the answer. I want to go to the master. <laughs> I've tried for two years in a row to get the, the practice round tickets and I have been denied. Denied. Oh. Maybe next year. Though, you got to ask Martino. He's there this week. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I was talking to a, a landscape guy who, who works for the players and he was talking about uh, for the masters, how they trick all of the, the plants in order to bloom at the right time mm-hmm. just for the masters. Like they put ice bags on the azaleas to make them think that it's still winter and so they can bloom at just Manipulate the perfect them. time. And I, I think that's fascinating. There's it's, little things like that with the masters that I love. Right. And just, I think this month in general, there's obviously we've just finished with college basketball and March Madness and everything. Which you you came close with your bra- bracket to winning it all. I did. I got seven out of my elite, seven out of my eight, elite eight. And then I got my final four picks and then I picked Wisconsin to win. And obviously I, that didn't happen. But if I would have won, I would have won the work bracket. And that, that means everything. Were you no. drinking whiskey when you picked whiskey? That's my only question. I did not. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about it. <laughs> just depends. Just, just curious. All right. So the NFL has their very first female referee. And one of our own Jaguars actually um, had a few things to say about it. And Derek Marks, defensive tackle for the Jags, kind of basically said, and I totally agree with him, that the NFL would not have a female referee unless it weren't for wanting the publicity. The NFL, when it comes to marketing and advertising and getting PR, is obviously genius. And so uh, is, is St. Derek right? Is this one more kind of just showboating move by the NFL in order to gain publicity? Or do you think this woman is very talented and therefore she deserves it? Well, this is why I would disagree. And I think, Blythe, you're kind of in the same realm as it. Um, I know that she came from Conference USA. And I'm not a big college fan, but I'm a Marshall fan. You know, my brother attended there. He's a cop for them. Anyway, so I wanted to know and learn more about Sarah Thomas. So I got in touch with um, the sports information director at Marshall, who then got me in touch with the Conference USA League office. And I spoke with a man... And many NFL fans might know of this name, Gerald Austin. He was an NFL ref for 26 years. And you could tell in his voice the knowledge. And I, and I said this to him. I said, you know, I would, I would love to pick your brain for two hours just on the football knowledge that I can tell you have. And, and his, you know, older, you know, voice, if you pick my brain, there's nothing left. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're sweet. You're adorable. <laughs> but so I asked him, you know, how it all began. How did Sarah, you know, start at, in college? How, how did you choose her? And, you know, he mentioned a man named Joe Haynes, who was also a retired NFL ref, noticed her in Mississippi and said, called Gerald up and said, this girl has to be a college ref. She is amazing. She's absolutely outstanding with the knowledge that she has and the capability of what she's doing. And so he took a look at her. They, you know, brought her along with many others to the, um, what is it, the official camp. 
And there were 17 of them, and she was in the top three. And so I kept asking him, I go, whether, is it because, you know, did anything gender, did anything like that come into effect? Or was she truly, honestly, just one of the best ones out there? And he raved about her left and right and said she, and I say, quote, she knows the spirit of the rules that are right to be applied. She knows this game left and right and knows how to officiate it. She keeps the game moving. She will call, you know, anything that needs to be called, but keep that game moving. And that's what he kept stressing. You know, the officials know what to do. And he sounded, boy, did he sound like he really was spot on with everything. And so I asked him about coaches, you know, because he mentioned that he would call coaches ahead of time and let them know you have a female official coming to your game. And so I asked him if he had any backlash, what are the comments. He said, nope, all the coaches at Conference USA were so supportive. Um, I asked him about any player backlash, you know. You know, it's college kids. You never know how they're going to, you know, take that. Sure, he run said, their mouths. Yeah, he said he doesn't remember anything. He heard a couple rumblings, but nothing that stuck to him. However, he did remember this, and it was a non-conference game. He didn't tell me who the coach was or the team was, but the coach went up to her and said, does your husband know you're here? Ooh. And her response, he goes, this is how you know she can face anything. Her simple response was, I have a note from him if you want to see it. (laughs) I'm like, that's awesome. Without missing a beat. Without missing a beat. So he, I asked, you know, I asked Gerald Austin, I said, you know, because he is, he's actually the coordinator of football officials for Conference USA. And I asked him, I go, were you surprised, you know, that she was picked for the NFL at all? He's like, nope. She's phenomenal. She actually knows everything that I would have taught anybody else. She is spot on with all, all of it. So I'm excited. I'm well, so now that excited. I know all that, I'm going to change my tune as far as agreeing with Sanderic, and I'm going to say that, <laughs> no, it's not a sub- publicity stunt and that she deserves it. I, I, I definitely think she's qualified for the, for the position. That for Based on everything that I've read and that I've heard, I think it's more of a questionable move on the NFL's part because – I think without them fumbling the whole Ray Rice mm-hmm. investigation and that whole situation and the cry from women, I don't think that the NFL knew that the cry from women was that loud. And so I think that they're only now taking those steps to, to further integrate women into not only just their corporate office and their workplace, because they just recently hired their first CMO, their first female executive ever in the history of the NFL uh, with a CMO. I, I'm blanking on her name right now but now with the female ref I think that that's definitely a step in the right direction do I think it would have happened without the Ray Rice incident and without the the NFL backlash on that from the fan perspective I don't think so see and they've had a female ref before but that was when the lockout yes the lockout so they had you know that basically the understudies and the college guys so she wasn't part of that huh you know it was somebody else it was another female. I wonder where she is now I think she's still in the in the college realm because there's two others within Conference USA, from what Gerald told me, now that Sarah is moved up. So there's still other two, two other females in that, at least, conference. really great. I, okay. I think is it's... her name Don Hudson? Does that sound right to you? Or Sharon, Sharon Easton? Sharon Easton sounds okay. familiar this to me. This computer's slow, so it's not exactly <laughs> pulling anything up. I'm just scanning through the Google. But... Let me... So, yeah, interesting for sure. All right, uh, we still have to talk about our fun experience at the Armada game this past weekend. It was a blast, and so we will certainly get to that. We will talk about Tales from the Toilet, and yes, that is spelled T-A-I-L-S. Love it. 
<laughs> because I said so. Uh, <laughs> our producer, Scott Irvine, is just shaking his head and probably dismay at this point in time. People are right now, wait, T-A-I. Oh, I get it, I get it. It took me a minute. I'm like, wait, hold on. And then, of course, um, we will also talk about Johnny Manziel and uh, the interesting news that's coming out about him. Who knows if it's true? When you talk about Johnny, anything goes. And then uh, in our final segment, we will talk to Paul and Mindy McCord, who work for JU. They are the lacrosse coaches, and there's a fun event that we'll tell you about coming up this weekend. So stick around. You are listening to Helmets and Heels on Tencent XL 92.5 FM. <laughs> You're listening to Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. We're just jamming out here. Quick uh, quick mention, whenever it comes to music, it always makes me think of our dearly beloved Jessica Blaylock, who has not left us forever, but has moved down to Miami for at least uh, a few years, let's say. I don't know about that club she's with. Yeah. A bunch so of dumb over there. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. I wanted to give her a first, uh, or congratulations for her first regular season game was yesterday when the uh, Marlins played the Braves. They lost, obviously, but that's okay because she did uh, her important job of broadcasting. She so, killed it. Yeah, well She's done, Blaylock. Kill it for years, it, she really is. And I know the Marlins fans, from what I've seen the tweets of, they are embracing her certainly a, a ton, and they will over the coming season, I'm sure too. Lauren Brooks, Donna Murphy, Blythe Brumley, you are listening to Helmets and Heels. We have a little story to talk about, a little rumor, I guess I will call it, about Donna's favorite human being on oh earth, Love Jonathan no, this- Manziel. I used to know his middle name for some unknown Is reason. Is it Marie? <laughs> yes, Jonathan Marie Manziel. That flows, actually. But no, so... As the, as the rumor goes, the Eagles and the Browns are going to make a trade that sends Eagles quarterback Sam Bradford, of course, recently acquired Sam Bradford, to the Browns for a number one pick and quarterback Johnny Manziel. So therefore, the Eagles, with two number one picks, would be able to move up the draft board and pick up, who do you think? Marcus. Marcus Mariota. To reunite Marcus Mariota. With Chip Kelly, obviously. So how much of a rumor together in Oregon. or real? Well, Donna, I would love to be able to tell you um, exactly how, <laughs> how true who, this who, is. Who's reporting it's, it? It's 77% true. 77%. Yeah, I like it. Uh, the website I'm on is NewJersey.com. Okay, I don't trust that. <laughs> well, give me somebody else. Black Sports Online is actually a very reputable uh sports website out there and they also reported on it as well um they're talking about how the the eagles want or desperately want to trade up and take mariota but why i i I just i don't understand trading for bradford and then why would you do this to get manzel and then only with the end game of getting mariota like why wouldn't you it's it's like going around your elbow yeah to get to your (laughs) i didn't know if we could say that word on radio (laughs) so i just kind of stopped (laughs) i do that sometimes i trail off no but What's the I, end game? Like that that's what I don't get. Before the draft last year, I thought Johnny Manziel would fail miserably in the NFL. And to me, nothing has proven that fact more than the the whole point of him not studying the playbook. I think that to me was when it was like, all right, dude, you're not that talented to the point where you can just kind of exist on what God gave you. So you've got to also work extremely hard and you're not. And I you know, understand that he's going through some stuff and that's why he's in rehab and I'm not going to make fun of that whatsoever. Good for him for 
putting the effort into getting his life in order or at least attempting to do so. But I would never in a million years want Johnny Manziel on my team. No. Ever. No, but what can we give up so that they can slide up here and we will slide down? Anything? Eagles? You want anything? Hmm. I don't know. Have they seen the void photo shoot with a certain lovely Donna Murphy in it? Because so are we trading Donna Murphy? <laughs> no. We may be trading um, Donna. Would you trade Mercedes Lewis and something else? Yes. See, I want to keep Mercedes. I think that between he and Julius Thomas, we're going to have a kick butt tight end group. So I don't want to like get rid that of them. If Lewis can stay on the field. Yeah. That's my concern. Yeah. How about Mercedes Lewis packaged with maybe a Justin Blackman? No, I want to keep Justin <laughs> Nobody Blackman. Nobody is touching Justin Blackman. <laughs> I'm keeping him. I think I think if he can ever go the route of of being able to stay on the team, he is going to be one of the best receivers in the league. I I don't know why I think that because I don't know how he's ever really going to get it together, but I think if he can where we have this lights out Receiver, which is a reason I don't want to draft an Amari Cooper. Pose a question for you, ladies. When was the last time Blackman played? 13? 2013? It was. Yeah, it was the last part of the year. Okay. 2013. It was right before we went to London, I think, was his last game. So then he was suspended for four games, I think. Who would have a better shot coming back into the league as a healthy, talented player? You're going to go with, we'll say, a free Aaron Hernandez or a sober Justin Blackman. I'm going to go sober Justin Blackman just because I think he's been able to work out and has not had his mind. What do you think they do in jail? Well, I yeah, but they can work out. The type of stress that you're under when you're going through a trial, I think, is a little bit different than the just staying out of the public view and... I, don't, I mean, really, it's a that's a. I really don't have an answer. Situation and right, there is no just, true answer. But I'm going Blackman. I, I don't know that I'd go Blackman just for the simple reason that he's just been so wishy washy. He hasn't been able to commit himself to the game. Uh, I think a picture surfaced recently on Twitter where it showed him a little overweight out in Vegas. So I'm I'm not I'm just not. I don't want to keep looking in the rearview mirror for Justin Blackman. If he does come back, if he's healthy, right. give him a chance, throw him on the practice squad, see if he's still got it. But there's wide receiver and, and tight end, both. You, you have to know your routes. You have to study plays. And they haven't been doing any of that for well over a year. So I, I, I don't know that I'd take either of them back. But if I were to give one a shot over the other. That's a fun God, battle, it, right? It's, it's it good. I, I'd go Hernandez just because he's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> On the field. Yeah. Off. And Maybe. Off. Yeah. Donna, who would you Both. take? I honestly don't know. I just thought it was a fun question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, but I have no idea. I mean, if you're going to put, like, you know, personalities aside, and obviously one being in jail and one being with a few DUIs, um, mm-hmm. talent-wise, I would have to say I saw more of Hernandez. You know, you know what he used to have. Who knows? But this right. is just Who knows? clearly not, not a real topic. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetical. I um I told a friend of mine that we should have a party if Justin Blackman does get back on the team. And his response was serving only uh, ginger ale, no beer, yeah. or anything like that. And I was like, well, we're not inviting Justin Blackman to the party. <laughs> we can have whatever we want. Yeah, but we but can point taken. I get it. So, all right. Saturday, I woke up. I was in probably one of the best moods I've been in in a long time. So excited to go see Of A Revolution, um, also known as OAR, 
go see the Armada, and then, of course, finish up the day with some Final Four basketball. I had such a great time. Fun tailgate, walked over to the Craft Beer Festival, had beers I had never had before, and I love craft beer. I'll drink, you know, light beer too, but give me some good craft beer on a warm day. Natty Light? I'll, t- I'll drink Ooh. Natty Light. I'll, I'm not above it. If if you're going to shotgun a beer, then it better be, nat- yes. there better be Natty Light around. Natty Light or PBR. Say, that's my go-to. I love PBR, too. So the craft beer, though, was fun, too. Um, the festival, OAR, was fantastic. Um, walked back over, went to the Armada game. I was blown away by the excitement of people that I would say are not traditionally soccer fans. Because obviously you're going to have the Section 904 and, and a lot of people who have been soccer fans in this town for a long time. But there's so much excitement from people that I would tell you, other than when the United States comes to play in town, probably have not ever been to another soccer game. And they have season tickets and they have the scarves and they're pumped for it. And so it's just another really exciting, I would say, event and franchise to behold in this town. And that was my big thing with Saturday is how many times do you get a chance to attend an opening day for an inaugural season for your hometown? And so that's why I think a lot of Jacksonville has started to support the Armada, whether or not they're soccer fans or not. Because there was a lot of people that I was talking with on Saturday that they didn't, they, they didn't care for soccer until the Armada got here. And now they're trying to get into it. They're trying to learn the rules. So I think it, it, it speaks volumes. I, I think it was, what, uh, over 16,000 people uh-huh. showed up to this game on Saturday. And it was a, the chance and the, the goal scoring within 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. I think that was an NASL record as well. It was. Like that, it, it was electric, and, and it was that's what the team needs in order to continue to be successful here. I mean, we're not used to this much winning, especially right off the bat, so I'll take it. <laughs> well, and well, how did you feel about the mascot, by the way, Blythe? I like it. The yeah. Kraken? Yeah, the Kraken. I, I actually really like it. Okay. I, I thought it was kind of cool. And, and it's... Kraken, that's awesome. <laughs> Which side of the stadium were you on? Were you... Was the Kraken the opposite side from you? No, you it was on the same side. Same side, okay. Me. So I was like a 131 section. Okay. That's where I was. I was in 231, so oh, I nice. was like right above you. Nice. Yeah. I, I was glad. We stayed through. We saw the third goal by the Armada, and then it started to kind of rain, and I said, all right, now I want to go see some basketball. Right. So we and, took and I off think that was a, the mood Edmonton for a lot scoring. of people that night is that, you know, there's a huge basketball game on right now. Um, so it was a great sports day. And then Marlins played against the Suns. Suns took that home yeah. that day. Um, and Jessica was in town for that and then got into the Armada and then basketball all night. It was great. It was great. And so that made me think of waiting in line for the bathroom at the craft beer festival. I <laughs> I, it made me think of this topic of tales from the toilet because something funny happened to me while I was in line. First of all, I have to preface every single time I go to the bathroom in any sort of stadium or arena, I tell the person in line directly behind me, and this is very embarrassing because I don't know why I'm saying this on air, but I tell the person directly behind me that I will be the first, I will be the person out that they replace in the stall. Like no matter who's gone in before me. Is it a competition? It is a competition, for okay. yes, for me to let the person right behind me go in the stall right after me. So I tell them it's usually going to be like less than 30 seconds. So that way, you know, a lot of women have been standing in line a long time too. And I don't know why I have this like (laughs) desire to beat people, but I do. And so that's how it started. And so I'm in line. I say that to the person behind me. And then all of a sudden I realized that as with most places, the men's line is a lot less crowded than the women's. And there was a couple guys in the line that said, we really don't have a problem if you ladies want to go in. So my cousin and I are like, all right, you know, we'll chance it. So we walk in the men's bathroom. 
you know, wait a couple seconds. (laughs) Yeah, of course there's urinals. We're not looking over there. And then there's stalls. And so we wait for the stalls to open and the door opens and it's my dad, mom and dad's next door neighbor that comes out of the (laughs) stall. I'm like, Hey, great to see you. Is there anything more awkward than like, do you hug? Do you not hug in the men's bathroom at a craft beer festival? So that Sorry, was, I got to pee. Yeah, that was my, for, from at least this past weekend, my tale from the toilet. And <laughs> I invite either of you to share a silly story such as that. I don't really have a silly story, but I do know at the Tailgaters parking lot before Jaguar games, there's a sweet old woman that's like the bathroom attendant in the, the parking lot bathroom. If you go in there, she's always reminding you, make sure you don't forget anything. Take your cell phone, take your purses, because if you leave it here, it's gone. But you come out of the bathroom, you go over to the sink, and there's she's this huge it on the black sign. <laughs> there's this huge sign that's above the sink, and it says, no feet washing in the sink. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> what white trash do we have <laughs> over there in downtown that is washing I'll their wash feet? I wash my feet in, in a, a few sink? Sinks, I, I mean, you go to Jaguar games, you're wearing flip-flops, your feet get dirty, you're walking around. It's, especially if it's rainy, then your feet look gross. You don't want to walk into the game like that. So yeah. you're just going to spear beer on them later, right? Well, I do. I, I have a habit of taking baby wipes and deodorant everywhere I go. And so I usually will just wipe down my feet in that. But I thought it was hilarious that it happened so often that they had to make a sign to put above the sink. So, so that's my little bathroom story. <laughs> See, I don't find that gross. I find watching people walk with the gross feet gross. That's to me like, ugh. And that's where, so for the Armada game, I decided Saturday morning that I was going to buy closed-toed shoes. So I bought a pair of blue, like Armada blue vans, and I was really proud of those that I got to wear around because I was like, hey, my feet aren't dirty. My feet are sweating because I'm a Floridian and I'm normally wearing flip-flops and my feet are not dirty. Donna, any uh, silly bathroom stories? I really don't. I mean, <laughs> Come I, I, on. I'll, I'm going to embarrass. I know my girlfriends are not listening to this. So it was uh, high school. You know, we went to, yes, cheerleader camp. I went to cheerleader camp and um, <laughs> one of the girls was having some uh, tummy issues and okay. she couldn't make it and uh the bathroom was clogged oh no and so a giant sink is what sufficed (gasps) she had a bridesmaids moment yes it was a bridesmaids moment i immediately ran out of there because i'm like i'm not part of this and i'm not gonna help you clean up (laughs) bye-bye that's all yeah bridesmaids moments have happened so lovely Lovely Eat that dinner, everybody out there. (laughs) Which, by the way, um, that reminded me, actually, to wish that Mike Dempsey feels better because he was unable to be on the show today. Yeah, Jaguar said today is the one-year anniversary of the show, and he was unable to be there because, yeah, some food poisoning kept him. So, yikes. Um, Hopefully he, like I said, feels better. But, uh, yeah, we will – you know what? We will keep that Tales from the Toilet in there, and anytime we have – encounters with funny bathroom stories we will let y'all know just because regular i think you know what it happens to everyone especially everyone who attends a sporting event or a concert but uh coming up next we are going to talk to mindy and paul mcleod and get some more information on the fun lacrosse event that's going on they are the ju lacrosse coaches so that is next right here on helmets and heels on 10 x on 2.5 fm Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Welcome back to Helmets and Heels. Sometimes I just want to say, we are live. (laughs) Just for fun. 
By the way, you know what I get to do on Saturday that I'm pretty excited about? Oh. No. I'm a celebrity judge for the barbecue eating contest at Everbank Field. It's year two for me. Last year they asked Blaylock. She couldn't go. I got to be the fill-in. I was certainly not a celebrity, just like I'm not a celebrity now. But I will go and I will eat. And actually, I have a strategy. I take one bite, and then I take the rest home. That's <laughs> so awesome. I have food for days. Nice. So I'm really excited. Yeah. Is it so I'll just tell you about regular it barbecue, or do they put like sauce on oh, it? Oh, it's or? it's. They have entries from six different people per the type of meat. So there's three different types: chicken, ribs, and I forget the other one. Oh, I want to say like sounds like a dream. Pork, True. Like that. I would say it, pork. It, I feel like it's that, and I don't even remember now. I just remember eating and eating and eating. Is it from people or from it is companies? from It is from competitors that are, yeah, just families or groups of people. Oh, wow. And so they have a blast. Like, the, the people that are contestants have a great time. They're all out there with their tents and, obviously, grills and drinks and all that stuff. And then the judges go um, up to – we have, like, a little judges meeting in the Everbank Field and um, or at the uh, little – what is it? Bud Zone. So it's delicious, obviously, and it's also a lot of fun. So I will, to, I will tell you about that next week. Do you get to tell anybody like they suck, like you're terrible, like Simon Cowell? You like, go you, home. You no, have no they don't. You don't actually see the competitors, but you rate with numbers the barbecue. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so it is to benefit uh, Daniel Kids Foundation, and um, thanks to Culpepper for the invite. Well, through Blaylock last year, and then they Cole. couldn't get rid of me for this year. But speaking of another fun event. The JU Women's Lacrosse Youth Jamboree is this Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. That is at D.B. Milne Field at JU. And we want to talk to Paul McCord, one of the JU Women's Lacrosse coaches right now. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hey, ladies. How are we doing tonight? Fantastic. Thanks. We're talking about barbecue and now lacrosse. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I heard you say Cole Pepper, and I remember uh, back when he had his uh, barbecue sauce enjoying that very much. Yep. (laughs) Yes, he does a great job with that event. I certainly recommend for anyone who's interested to uh, to head on out first to the Youth Jamboree, and then they can go to the barbecue after they get a little hungry. So tell us, what exactly will be going on with uh, a bunch of youth girls teams from all over the state? Is there a trophy at the end of all of it? <laughs> no, no trophies. Uh, it, you know, lacrosse is still kind of a fairly new game in Florida. And so most of all, we want the little girls to come by JU and, and play for the fun of it and then take in the women's lacrosse game uh, between JU and Mercer afterwards. So they can kind of see where the game can take them eventually. Um, it, it will have 21 teams with girls from K through 8th grade uh, competing from 9 until noon. And they play various you know size fields, smaller for the younger kids and uh, larger uh, for the uh, middle school girls. Uh, but, uh, and then there'll be a, a clinic after our game where the girls can come down on the turf field. Uh, we're expecting a couple hundred, uh, to participate. Nice. And then we have, a, we have an autograph session where they can meet some of their, uh, some of the girls that really catch their eye during the, during the college game. They can get to, to meet them. Now, Paula, you mentioned about the J.U. Mercer matchup. You guys have been on a hot streak. You've won six in a row and your record right now overall with 14 games is 12 and two. You guys are doing great this year. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's it's the best start we've had, and I think it really is attributed to the work ethic of the team. Uh, we have a team that th- their goal isn't to win games. Their goal is to be better today than they were yesterday. And whenever you have a goal like that, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, you're going to improve. And I think uh, that this year's team – it's kind of inexhaustible like that. Just we, I think we may have, may have had the best practice we've had all year 
today after we had Easter weekend and a couple of days off. And but they came out and they, you know, we said, hey, we need to fix these things. We got to fix them now. And they went out and did it. And when you have a team that's like that, you can't wait for practice to start. When you have a team that's maybe not like that, you can't wait for practice to end. So we're really glad we have a team like that this year. You mentioned that there's a that the sport of lacrosse is sort of new to the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us any of the challenges that you sort of run into trying to grow the game here locally and statewide? Absolutely. Boys uh, lacrosse, a lot easier to grow because you, can, you have a captive audience with the football crowd that kind of likes the equipment and the contact in some sort. Um, you know, it doesn't compete with football. So that's very important. And actually, you know, a number of football coaches are lacrosse guys like Marvin Lewis and Bill Belichick, you know, they're, they're lacrosse people. So the sports kind of cross pollinate. Um, the biggest challenge we have is actually trying to encourage girls to play more than one sport. And as you know, being a diverse athlete is only going to help you down the road. If you want to be an elite athlete in one sport. So trying to reach out to the, to to those folks who uh, may not understand that playing lots of sports helps. Lacrosse is a is a combination of many sports, and it's the original Native American game. So a lot of sports come from lacrosse. So if you play lacrosse, you'll be better at basketball. You'll be better at soccer. You'll, you may be quicker for volleyball. And if you do play those sports, then you'll be naturally pretty good at lacrosse because you can apply those skills to lacrosse. So. Uh, that's our big challenge is actually educating people and saying, hey, try lacrosse for a season, see if you like it. If it works into your schedule, then, you know, give it a shot. It's definitely a game that's fun to play, and there's never a dull moment. And so for this Saturday's event, are girls that have never played before invited, or is this girls that have actually been participating on teams before? Absolutely. Girls that have never played before can come to the collegiate game. They can watch the game, uh, and afterwards they can come out on the field and learn how to pass and catch or learn how to shoot. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll have equipment there, and there's no contact, obviously. And the girls' game, to give you an idea of contact in lacrosse, because a lot of people don't understand the difference between boys and girls lacrosse, boys lacrosse is like ice hockey in in terms of contact. Mm -hmm. Girls lacrosse is like basketball. It's um, the same amount of contact is allowed in girls' basketball as girls lacrosse, and that's it. So... Uh, it's a very fun sport to play. It has a lower rate of incident, a lower rate of injury than soccer does for girls. So, you know, it's a great sport to play and a lot of fun. And um, you know, hey, it's free, so come on out and see if you see if you like it. Certainly, when you watch our college women play, it's amazing. I mean, I've been around athletics a long time, but when you watch the skill level and athleticism of the collegiate women and what they do. It's sometimes, like even as a coach for many years, it just kind of, you always appreciate it. You always see, see grace and beauty in how they play. It's amazing. How did you get into it originally? Uh, well, uh, I was a football coach, and uh, uh, my, my wife at the time, who wasn't my wife, we were just friends, <laughs> uh, her, her graduate assistant had left her for another uh, job, and she needed an assistant. And she said, hey, you played men's lacrosse. And I said, yeah, well, I don't know anything about women's lacrosse. <laughs> and she said, she said, it's kind of the same thing. There's a net, there's a ball, you put the ball in the net. And so she kind of, uh, you know, convinced me to be her assistant about 15 years ago. And then uh, I convinced her to be my boss a couple years later. <laughs> and by boss, you mean wife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we, we have a very, you know, it's funny because a lot of people in the sports world will say, well, husband, wife, teams, that just doesn't work out. In the sport of lacrosse, uh, 
the best programs, actually, Maryland, Northwestern, um, Jacksonville, uh, Florida, actually have husbands that work on the staff in some capacity or another. And I don't know how that worked out. Trust me. <laughs> that but, is fascinating. Uh, yeah, but we, we it works. It works. I mean, uh, it's like you know, I, having coached in the NFL and been on the sidelines in the NFL where you have coordinators screaming at each other and coaches and players having tantrums. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's uh, it's actually more like you just give each other the stink eye look down the sideline, you know, like, oh, what was that? <laughs> so, But it's a lot of fun. We, we love it. And, and our team is our family and our family is our team. And, you know, we have a five month old and he's always around and the girls love him. And it's just, um, it's a really fun experience uh, at JU. We, our goal at JU is to be the greatest place to play lacrosse. And we think that Jacksonville, the beaches area, JU, the river, the downtown, it gives kids a great opportunity to get a fantastic education and play an amazing game in warmth away from the Maryland and New York snowfall. Right, so. exactly. Was it, uh, yeah. the, the UConn head coach, Gino Ariema, he recently mm-hmm. kind of came out and bashed the, the men's game versus the women's game in college basketball. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you agree with that sentiment that it's tougher for the, I guess, for the viewing public to watch a women's sport over men? And how do you guys sort of challenge that to, to get people to come out, not only to watch, but to, to play the women's lacrosse game? Yeah, um, you know, Gino Ariama is a very polarizing figure, but the guy tells the truth. And so you can like it or hate like it or hate it, but he speaks with a lot of truth in what he says. So I don't disagree with anything he said about it. I would say um, we have a challenge uh, at JU when we have, you know, you've got a nationally ranked women's lacrosse team and people don't know much about lacrosse in our area. So it kind of benefits the school to continue to be involved in the community and help kids learn to play and grow. And uh, JU has a rare opportunity to be an epicenter for growth of the game. Now, lacrosse is the fastest-growing sport in the country. So with JU being the first men's and women's Division One programs, if they get behind and continue to grow the sport, you end up having um, growth of the school as well. So the two kind of grow together. And it, so it behooves us to get out the, the word about lacrosse, get kids playing, and get kids on campus to see games where you get to see some of the best teams in the country play week in and week out in the spring. That's awesome. Well, you only have a couple more games after this Mercer game before the A-Sun mm-hmm. Conference Championship. So we mm-hmm. certainly wish JU the best of luck in that. And maybe we can actually uh, take helmets and heels on the road one of those nights and go out and support your team. Yeah, well, you're, you're welcome any game, and uh, we'll get you on the sideline. I'm telling you, when you get on the sideline, uh, it gives you a rare opportunity to see this, the speed of these young women and the athleticism they have. It's amazing. And you just wonder, how the heck do they move that ball like that? The ball moves so fast. It's just amazing. So we'd love to have you. So please do uh, pop on for uh, at least the uh, A-Sun championship game. We're planning on making a return trip there. And uh uh, you know, we're, we're really hoping to uh, go after our third straight title in the eighth on our fifth straight conference title in a row. So we're, we're excited. We're going to keep on rolling. Well, congratulations so far on the season that you've had, and we certainly do look forward to continued success for the program. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It's, it's my pleasure, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much, and have a wonderful event on Saturday. All right. Thank you. We'll see thank you there. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Paul McCord. 
head coach along with uh, his wife of JU Women's Lacrosse. Yeah, head coach and, and wife, Mindy McCord, who he said was uh, at a basketball game tonight, I believe. So yes. the, such a sports family, and I just love that they have a five-month-old uh, that they're able to, you know, enjoy all of this fun stuff with. So great to have them join us, and hopefully that event goes off smoothly and certainly encourage anyone who's interested at all in uh, lacrosse from the female variety to head on out there to JU on Saturday. All right, we are going to check in with the one, the only, Fat Tony for Fat Tuesdays coming up next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.